0: Today 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 with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision And on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app This is Sunday Morning Together Across Australia On Vision Christian Radio Pastor Bob Inwich, good morning It is a good morning It is always a good morning
1: Yes it is
0: now, you've got a great story to tell, which I'm looking forward to hearing uh, later on today. But the very quick story, you've been a pastor for
1: many years, haven't you? Yes, so uh, well, 50 plus years. So,
0: yeah. what, okay, 50 years. So is there anything in particular that sort of sticks out? A church you've been part of, somewhere you've been assigned, something that's happened that you could just really see God was right in the center of it?
1: Yeah, there's a number of those stories. Um, We did go to Tassie to Pioneer Teen Teen Challenge, Mm -hmm. went down there not knowing anyone, but someone gave us the word that God would open the door and our plans would be blown out, and it would happen a lot faster than we expected. And within eight months, we had the doors open from having no money, no supporters, to Hardly knowing anyone in Tasmania, we opened the doors and took our first clients in. Wow.
0: that I mean, that's faith, really. You, you didn't yeah. know anybody. You didn't have any or much money. Uh, you went there faithfully and then God opened the doors. Yeah.
1: That's the story of our life. We've always done everything by faith. If God calls us, we go. And we, being pioneers, we tend to go in and get the groundwork done. And when it gets up and running, we hand it over to someone. My wife asked me one day, how come... We always resign and leave <laughs> when it can afford us to pay a wage. Yeah. And but that's just God and the faith He put in our hearts. And we saw many um, things open up, and it's just been an incredible journey.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to learning some more about your journey this morning. I'm sure it's going to be inspiring for people listening as well. Now, you're the founding pastor of Twin Rivers Christian Church. Just yes. uh, paint a picture. Of what what is that church?
1: So Twin Rivers is in Eagleby. That's the southern
0: part of Brisbane, Brisbane, kind of between Brisbane and the Gold Coast.
1: Yeah, right on the boundary pretty well. And um, a lot of people didn't want to go there or a number of people have attempted to put a church there and couldn't survive. Mm. And um, I was running youth work there and enjoying myself doing youth work when God called us back into ministry and asked us to pioneer a church there, which... I didn't want to do it first. I was a bit reluctant because I was enjoying working in the youth sphere so much. Mm-hmm. But um, So we went there and um, started with eight ad- adults and 12 kids and began in a bingo hall. In a bingo hall? Yeah. <laughs> so it was used every other day. But Sunday, and I noticed on one of the blank bingo sheets, it had, you can advertise here. So I rang up and found out how much and said, yes, we'll advertise in Something like this, try and win during the week, but meet with real winners on Sunday, yeah, right, and advertise <laughs> the church service. So,
0: you don't have people stand up in the middle of the service and shout out numbers, do
1: you? No, no, it, it, I was wondering whether it might happen, but it <laughs> never did.
0: You could do studies in the book of numbers, man, yeah,
1: yeah. We hung up a big sheet over the spinning wheel and all the rest of it, right? Huh, good but, stuff, yeah.
0: And I believe, Bob, it's a very special time for you and your wife, Naomi, at the moment.
1: It is. We're about to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Wow, congratulations. Yep. 50 years.
0: Yes. Can you take us back to that wedding day 50 years ago?
1: I can. I was partway through Bible college. I had no money. (laughs) So this This is is 1974 or 73? 73. So the end of 73. December 73. Right. And, um... I always had this silly desire to have a couple of vintage cars and a red carpet rolled out. Okay. So what's a vintage car in
0: 1973? Is this something from the 30s or 20s or something?
1: Yeah, about that. Yep. And um, I was mowing lawns to get my way through college, and I looked underneath this house. I was mowing the stain. Here's a vintage car underneath. So I asked him, I said, do you um, use those for weddings? He said, all the time. I said, what's the price? He said, depending on who it's for. I said, it's for me. He said, "Well, I'll do it half price, and I'll ring him mate and see if he'll do it half price." And so, we had these two vintage cars at half price, and that—that that was the start of the whole miracle coming together. And I had this dream of having a red carpet rolled out for her. And one of the churches I was helping out as a with youth work at at Belmont, actually in Brisbane here, asked whether I'd go into a swimathon and help them raise money. And when they were proudly showing me this red carpet they'd put in pastor said i've got this strip about <laughs> two foot wide Leap, left and, over and he said it's too good to throw away do you know what i could use it for i said sure do <laughs> and it turned out that um, one of the french guys in college dressed up as a servant as the vintage car pulled up he opened the door rolled it all rolled out. the red carpet out oh. n- never even measured it but it went for exactly from the car to the bottom step of the church oh very
0: nice did naomi know that was going to happen no oh what a surprise yeah that's so. wonderful so 50 years of marriage. Yes. Uh, okay. Somebody's getting married right now. What do you say to them? What, what, what's your advice?
1: What's my advice is be good friends. Don't go to bed angry. And just always, yeah, reminder that you love her. Don't, mm. that, don't fail to communicate it. Don't be like the guy who when his wife said, do you still love me? He said, I told you that 50 years ago. Anything, Anything changes, I'll let, let you know. I'll let
0: you know. Yeah. 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 No, that's not, not a good way to play. No. Yeah. Very good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh it's gonna be a special day coming up next month yeah. uh
1: for you both. Anything special planned? Yes, we're actually going away next this weekend actually. Very nice. Because it's cheaper this weekend to go away than it is. In a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, everything gets,
0: everything gets crazy uh, yeah, expensive so, at Christmas time. So
1: all, all our kids and all our grandkids are coming away from Friday through to the Monday. Oh, very nice. And we're just going to have a big dinner on the Sunday night. And Fantastic. Just enjoy it as a family. Very good.
0: Well, we are going to get together for a meal here in just a few moments of a different sort. That's communion. Yes. What is it that's special about communion for you, and, and how do we best prepare our hearts toward communion?
1: Yeah, I, communion is, is that time of communing with God and so I always say if there's any blockages or anything, that you know that you need to settle to it before communion. Yeah. And um, it's a good way of keeping short accounts. You need to do that in marriage and in any relationship and God's no different. Yeah. There are times when we can let things get between us and God and we need to clear those and, and just clear our heart. mm and um, I just love communion in that it's a very powerful time. It's, um, it, can, it can become just a habit, but it can also be a powerful time of interaction between you and God and just sharing and, and knowing what he's done for us. Yeah. And, and um, appropriating that to our lives is so important. Sunday Morning Together Across Australia on
0: Vision Christian Radio. My guest and co-host today is Bob Engwich, who's the founding pastor of Twin Rivers Christian Church in Eagleby. It's in southeast Queensland. And, Bob, it's over to you to lead us in communion.
1: Thank you. Second Corinthians 8 and verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. A.W. Pink has commented and said that all the world gave the saviour was a manger, a cross on which to die, and a borrowed tomb. As we look at his life, there was a life of poverty. He was laid in a manger, which was designed to feed animals in. He was dressed in swaddling clothes, we can call them rags, and he had nowhere to lay his head he commented that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but, but Jesus, well, he was like a couch chef for today. He was displaced and homeless. He was buried in a borrowed tomb and uh, there was that, that poverty around his life. Um, Jesus didn't leave an earthly will. Well, he did a spiritual one, but not a physical one because he owned no property. He had no bank account of gold bullions and safe deposits. He had no funeral plan to cover his funeral expenses and no funds set aside for his widowed mother, which he asked one of the disciples, his beloved, to take care of her. And his clothing the soldiers took and divided and gambled for them. So you can ask, what are we celebrating at communion? What is it that we come around and celebrate? What is it that Jesus did for us? Let me read that verse again from Second Corinthians eight, verse nine. If you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. You know what we are celebrating is the eternal will of God, the in- eternal deposit that he left when he became that we might become. I like to call communion often the great exchange because it's when we come. And exchange what we have for what God has for us. It says, "For your sakes, He became poor that you might become rich." So Christ became like us that we might become like Him. Um, so you know, in Philippians we read that He emptied Himself of everything and took on poverty that we might become rich. He took on our sins that we might become saints. He took on our sickness that we might receive healing and wholeness. He took on our suffering and rejection that we might have peace in our lives. He took on our hurt and injustice that we might experience life. He took on rejection that we might be accepted in the beloved and in his church, his family. And he faced death that we might have eternal life. He did it. He died on the cross to ransom our souls. So for your sakes he became that we might become. And as we partake this morning, I want you to think of the things you need to exchange this morning. One of the things, is it poverty, is it sin, is it sickness, is it suffering? Maybe it's hurt and injustice that you've experienced. Maybe it's feelings of rejection. This morning as we partake of communion together, let's partake and let's name the very thing that we need from God. Because this is the great exchange, because he became that we might become. And so he has taken for us. And so as we partake this morning and we take the bread, we remember that his body was broken for us. And let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Lord, for this bread, which represents your broken body. Thank you, Lord, that you come and you died for us. Lord, we also thank you that you shed your blood. And as we take the juice and we remember you, we thank you for what you became for us. And this morning, Lord, we hand you our, our poverty. We, we give you our sin and our failings. We give you the sicknesses that might be coming against us. We give you our suffering, our hurt, the injustices, and even rejection. And Lord, we exchange it, exchange it through you because you died on a cross, you became that we might become. And so thank you, the Lord, that you have done that for us. And this morning we partake in that great divine exchange. Amen.
0: Sunday morning together. Across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. We want to tell your story today, Bob. Yep And as I alluded before I think there's a few gems in, in there as well So if you're brave enough Can you take us back to When you were born Yeah
1: 1952 1952
0: yeah, So okay so Do um, the maths
1: Yeah What's
0: that 70, 71
1: 71 Yep yeah, So my mum and dad Were pastors At a little place They were pioneering the church at Dolby
0: Okay And um, the southern downs In Queensland Yeah
1: So I was born in Dolby And um that was, my dad was a traveling evangelist as well as pioneering churches. Um, it was funny because I said I'd never wanted to be a pastor because I were always poor and never got paid very much. And, and, <laughs> and I you told, proved that to be true. From yes, what, yes. <laughs> what well, I told before. God I'd be a rich businessman and I'd, I'd bless his kingdom bountifully <laughs> if he allowed me, but I couldn't escape the call of God and end up going there. But, um yeah, so growing up... um in those days, in the Assemblies of God, or as it was then in the Australian Christian churches, each church is autonomous, so therefore you had to raise your own funding, and mm. often there wouldn't be enough or no food to provide a meal, and Dad would call us around the table and say, we're going to say grace, and we'd say grace, and <laughs> it it, w- it would come. It would just, someone would knock on the door, or... Wow. It, I remember... Once I said to Dad, oh, I've got to go to the toilet because I want to escape the long prayer time waiting for a meal to come, walked over to the public toilets, and here was a 10-pound note on the floor. Wow. I come running back and said, we've got our dinner. We've got God's our dinner. Provision.
0: I mean, 10 pounds in, yeah, in the 1950s, a that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. A lot of money. So it, it was just amazing seeing that happen, and over and over again, just seeing and experiencing the miracles of God. and. I remember once that one of the ladies that was coming to a church, her husband was a butcher, and he wasn't a Christian at this stage, but he um, was cleaning up, and he had this impulse to drop Dad in some bacon, and he dropped in a couple of kilos of bacon. And when he left, Dad said, hey, kids, we're having bacon and eggs for dinner tonight. We said, well, we see the bacon. Where's the eggs? He's got no eggs, yeah. He said, well, God wouldn't send us bacon without eggs. And about 20 minutes later, there's a little light knock on the door, and Dad went out to see what it was, and this old lady from our church was standing there, and she said, I feel absolutely stupid, but I can't get away from the impression that God wanted me to bring you some eggs. <laughs> so Dad showed her the bacon and told her the story. That's amazing. And um, her faith was so increased because she didn't believe God could speak to her, yes, let alone use her, and her faith grew so much through it. But. Over the years, this happening over and over again in different ways and different circumstances was just absolutely amazing.
0: Well, I guess it prepared you for what was to come.
1: Yes, yes. So faith was a fairly easy step um, in a lot of what I did because I'd seen that over and over again. Mm. And uh, Dad ended up moving from place to place as they used to move their pastors on every three years. And we went to Harvey Bay where he wanted to set up a children's home Mm -hmm. and of course once again he had his uh two weeks of holiday pay which wasn't much because he was only in a small church and he was going to build this big children's home by faith and uh, that consolidated for me so much it was just this amazing story of of um he was given an acre of land to start with and Mm. They drew the plans up and gave them to a Christian builder and he said, I can do it for you for 30000 That's just for materials. But he, he was painting for a, a builder called Arthur Carey who he was yeah, doing his painting. And so he asked him for a quote and he come back and he said $15,000, which was half the amount. And he said, but we're going to put an extra en suite in because you and your wife need your own call it it's okay having a guy's Mm. bathroom and a girl's bathroom where's yours so dad said you can't do it for that price he said i can and i will so dad tried to raise the money and he could borrow eight thousand dollars because he'd been in the war and he could get a a pension for that Uh, i could get a loan for that but they only covered half the amount basically and so halfway through the building dad said to him you've got to stop i haven't been able to borrow any money um I can pay you out for what you've done. And he said, look, if a rich auntie doesn't die, I'll just loan you the money interest free, so don't worry about it. Hmm. And he kept building, and Dad said, no, I beg you to stop. And this guy started crying, and he said, Harold, don't stop me. I've always vowed that I'd pay my debt to society. What you don't know is I grew up in a children's home.
0: Right. Huh.
1: And he was coming to retirement, and he said, I get one opportunity don't take it away from me and so he, he went ahead and and he finished it finished the whole that's place amazing off. six bedrooms three bathrooms and yeah. toilets and a big kitchen dining room and
0: god knew yeah god knew and brought yep. the right people into yeah. the, into the mix i'm wondering bob the call of god you mentioned that before when did you first sort of have that sense that there's a call of god on your life
1: oh about 18 um, I'd actually spent a period away from god come back about Sixteen years of age, like many people, I got hurt in the church, and mm. um, it's not an uncommon thing to happen. That people sometimes don't do it deliberately, but often it can happen, and yeah, well, we can take offense easy and that's stuff. It. And so I was quite rebellious against the church, but I came back to the Lord, and then about eighteen, God started speaking to me about college and surrendering my life, and my well, older older brother was was out there, and he was doing a evangelism and stuff and he was very talented i I was basically a one talent person i could talk and that's about it (laughs) couldn't sing in tune can't dance and keep step uh so i'm saying god what what would you want me for i'm just gonna look stupid and i hated public speaking hated being in in front of people and uh Kept fighting it over the time, and then eventually God just nailed me. I've had a lot of arguments with God, but I've never won one yet. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this was one of those. And in the end, I said, well, Lord, I'll go to Bible College and we'll take it from there. And so in 1973, we enrolled in college and did a year in college. Um, The big flood happened in 74, and our flat that we'd moved into was completely destroyed with the the Brisbane flood and we lost basically everything we owned and that flood. And um, when we finished college, we went to Sydney where we felt God was calling us to the northern shore. I got the shock of our life at the prices of rent down there compared to Brisbane. Mm. But um, just started by faith. I was working full time and my wife was working full time and we worked and supported ourselves. And I preached to Naomi for four months before... The first person came, and well, all three of them come together, three three older ladies, and those three ladies were with us the whole time. we So were, you'd yeah.
0: hold a meeting and preach just to your wife
1: yes, with no yes. one else in the room? that's it. It was a little bit hard to practice words of knowledge because when I said, God has shown me there's a woman here who's not submitting to her husband, she reckons I was having a shot at her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, did she come forward, though? <laughs>
1: Well, I, I tell you, the day those three ladies come, we danced around the kitchen dining table. I can imagine. We were so excited that the church had begun. And it, w- it was humbling in a way because there was a, a blind lady there and she had told us for 12 years she'd pray for prayed to God to bring a, a church to that area of Eleonora mm. Heights where we were in and eleanora Heights. And um, it, it was just an amazing, humbling thing. And um, we thought we'd done a lot by praying about this area for 12 months while we we're in bible college and then going but
0: um, yeah and i'm interested you you know you've left bible college you've gone to pioneer a church the first people that turn up are some old ladies yeah but really your driving passion has actually been young people and you've been been involved with young people a lot yes is that an irony
1: um probably but yeah it didn't stop us doing outreach with young people we Every school holidays we'd find an empty building and turn it into a youth centre for the school holiday. And um, one one Christmas we actually got an old Commonwealth Bank and they said to us, do what you like. You can paint the walls whatever colour because we're going to renovate the whole thing from top to bottom. And so we just would get buildings and meet young people and, mm. and gradually we saw them come in but it was great to have that prayer basis and and a good place to start. Mm.
0: So you spent eight years in Sydney, I understand, and then you you decided to come back home to where your roots were in Brisbane and start something there.
1: Well, it, it was a lot harder than that because my wife's twin sister, her husband was dying and her two boys needed someone to be around them. And so... The doctor for my sister-in-law r- rang us and said, would you consider coming home? And it was the hardest decision we ever made. It was like our heart was being torn out. Mm. I remember we, we drove from Sydney to Newcastle, and it was about Newcastle before we stopped crying as we were driving up the highway. Wow. Just leaving the work of God behind. And 70 to 80% of the congregation that we had, we'd led to the Lord personally. So mm. there was a real deep interconnection of friendships and and young people that we'd seen turn around and it was funny because when we were there I went inside our house one day and I'm looking around and my wife said what are you looking for I said I think someone must have hung a sign up if you need a room come and ask here because young people get turning up and saying we're homeless can we come and stay with you and so you know that whole connection with young people just continued on from those coffee shops and outreaches and it was just a fantastic time of working with them and just loving people into the kingdom.
0: Now, just tell me a bit more about working with young people at risk, because it's been a bit of a theme throughout your life, hasn't it, Bob?
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, the seeds were planted, because obviously through the children's home that my parents had and meeting the kids there. There was always that drive towards people that have been hurt and mm-hmm. disappointed in life. And, so,
0: and there's no shortage of them.
1: Yes, and so... We met a number of them in Sydney, but when we came back, we deliberately wanted to become more involved. And, of course, we took up residence near where my sister-in-law lived so we could have interaction with her boys. Mm -hmm. But we started working with youth at risk across the city of Logan in particular. And um, most of the kids we worked with were referred through family services and youth justice, and so we had a lot of young people. So... We started out with about 15 young people we were working with and we were doing it under our house with a pool table and by the time it grew to 30, within a couple of months, the neighbours started complaining about the noise. So we said, well... <laughs> so we'll,
0: were you providing accommodation or they were just coming and spending time with you? Or yeah, we did,
1: we did have an extra bedroom set aside for young people to come and stay and so we'd often have two or three or four homeless young people living with us. Right. We'd actually done a course with the Department of Family Services, but because I was a pastor, they wouldn't give us foster children because they said we were too religious. But the, but that worked in our favour, and part of our training is because every time they had a young person they could not place because they were too unruly, they'd ring us up and ask <laughs> us whether they could make us temporary foster parents. <laughs> right. And we learnt by flying by the seat of our pants, and often we'd say, God, well, this one's beyond us but God would give us keys and insights. And um, we just see miracles mm. take place in young people's lives. And it was just such a, a fantastic experience. We've got a, f- a daughter now. She's our foster daughter, but she came to us when she was 14. She's 54 now, so right. it's um, just amazing seeing how these young people were able to build that relationship with them.
0: Have you kept a count of how many kids you've helped?
1: Um, well, we we're working with 150 to 160 a week because we end up running a youth program, right? And we we're running it six nights, uh, yeah, six nights a week. But um, we had it different leaders in charge of different nights, and so we found that if we put kids from, say, Beanley and and Logan together, often they were, they were fighting each other, and they didn't like coming together. So we end up. Having a night for the Kingston kids and one for the Woodridge kids and one right. for Hsdale kids as well, and so we had different different nights. And so we we're running, hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty, and often we'd run a camp um, over the Christmas period because that was always a really bad time for all of those kids whose parents didn't want them home. So we, we'd go away over Christmas and we'd have a no. about a seven to nine day camping program because. Uh, it took, took us the first three days to break the barriers and really just get alongside these young mm. people. And my instruction to the staff, the volunteers that would come with us, you've just got to endure the first three days. If we can survive that, we'll start to see miracles. And after that, young people would then begin to open up and say, why are you doing this? And yeah, And it was just amazing watching God bring healing into their lives.
0: Have you got some stories of some of those miracles and healings?
1: Yeah, look, we had um, three young guys that come to a, a camp with us on Bribey Island. We went to the House of Happiness up there. And um, these three guys have been in Westbrook and and talking to staff there. They said no one could ever control them when they are at Westbrook. So uh, is that a youth
0: detention centre youth or something? Youth detention centre, right. yes.
1: That was um, in a place called Westbrook. That's what it was called, Right, Westbrook Centre. And uh, anyway, these three guys bailed me up this night and said, if you don't give us, and they, they'd broken into the tool shed, which wasn't hard for them, and one had a mattock and one had a spade. And, okay. And uh, saying, if you don't give us control of running the camp, we're going to rearrange your face. And I, I stood and put my arms open, and I said, well, the Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps about those that fear him, so if you want to entangle with the angel of the Lord, have a go. <laughs> and I stood there with my arms out open and just stood there smiling at them. and one by one they went white and wider and wider and so I kept pushing it. I said, come on, if you think you want to yeah, have a table with the angel of the Lord. And, uh, of course, they backed off. And next minute they dropped their instruments and ran back to their rooms. And the next morning I was preaching with great fervor and great enthusiasm because I hadn't had my face to rearrange. <laughs> and I was the first three guys to hit the altar just sobbing and sobbing. Wow. They gave their lives to the Lord. It was just an incredible turnaround.
0: Have you got another one?
1: Yeah, look, this young lady that the department placed with us, she was 14. I told her she had the sex drive of a 24-year-old and to be very careful. And I just had one question, tell me about her dad. And they said, um, well, she lives with a stepdad and the only time he so, shows her any interest is when he's drunk. And I knew I had all the information I needed. So when she came to our house with the Department of Family Services, I walked over and planted a big kiss on her cheek and said, we love you, welcome to our home. And if you ever need a cuddle or a kiss, there's always one available. There's only one rule. And she looked at me and go, one rule? What's that? I said, my wife's got to be there. It can only happen when she's present. And, uh, of course, that was a bit against all the family services rules in those days. Mm. But because I'd laid down that foundation... The family service. I said, so, "Well, it's, it's a bit out there, but we'll allow it." Well, in all the other placements, why they broke down was she was jumping out of windows, taking off with older guys, and all it was she was looking for male attention. Yes. How, how do if someone's touch deficient? How how do you solve that by standing back and crossing your arms or yeah. putting your hands up, yeah. keeping it a distance? But often she'd come home from school, and she'd be almost dancing around the lounge room waiting for Naomi to come home and as soon as Naomi came home (laughs) glad you're home Naomi now give Bob a cuddle and and, uh, so it just and the department started calling me the miracle worker they said we don't know what you've done with that young lady but you know this is the first time she's never been jumping out of windows and taking off Mm. and it was only through that love that broke down all the barriers and she very quickly became absorbed into our family and um you yeah, know, it um, was just a great, great miracle as God changed her life and turned it around. We took her on a Christmas camp with it, and, with us and she gave her life to the Lord. And Wonderful. Just a fantastic change. Yeah. We're still in contact with her. She sent us a massive big bouquet of flowers. Oh, very nice. Just recently when I had an accident. So yeah. it's just amazing seeing God's power to change people's lives.
0: Just amazing to hear these stories um, there's some big stories I understand in Tasmania for you as well. So you born in Queensland, you went to Sydney, you came back to Queensland, but then God told you to move to he the did, apple Isle.
1: Yeah. He did. And so I was actually um, riding a push bike for Teen Challenge. We were doing a fundraiser where we rode 650 kilometres in five days. That's a fair old ride. Yeah, it is. And um, I, I was very unfit. The year before, the three of the students in the Teen Challenge program were saying to me, You should come and ride with us. And I said, Do I look like I'm fit enough to ride? <laughs> and then I made the mistake of saying, Because they never completed anything they started, I said, If you three guys are doing the ride, complete it this year, I'll come with you next year. Famous <laughs> <And, laughs> last and words. Every time one of them wanted to give up, they said, No, you can't. Come on. If we're going to get Master Bob to come with us next year, we've we've all got to complete the ride. And they did. And so I began in the February riding the push bike to get fit and to go down there. Mm. And on the last day, I'm riding down this hill and um, into Hobart. And I sort of said to the Lord, "I'm, I'm not sure what this was all about, why I ended up here. Maybe it was just me, you know, opening my big mouth and end up catching myself, not believing that the three of them would complete it. And God just said to me, this place needs a drug rehab, and that's why you're here. Mm. And what year was this? So that would have been ah, good grief. That's a, that's a good question. Two thousand and eight. Right. Yeah. So about two thousand and eight. So um, yeah. It it was. We I, I said, well, God, good luck luck with that. We've got grandkids now. And my wife's not going to want to shift. Mm.
0: So you're in your fifties at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I come home and I mention it to Naomi, and she sort of laughed, and she said, uh, well, I hadn't even got to I'd really ask her, but she just said to me, so what, what is it that God's got you moving on to? I, she'd been given that impression that God had something else for us. So I told her, and she said, well, let's go do it. So, hmm. so that's where we ended up. And so you went to Hobart? We went to It was outside of Hobart, we ended up on a 197-acre property that we were were being leased for a dollar a year. And uh, I had so many people pay the first year's (laughs) lease, it was fantastic. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so the first student that came into the program was this young guy that had been on drugs since basically about 14, 15, but he, he was a very gifted musician and he played the piano brilliantly. And he was given a scholarship in Melbourne. And while he was there, one of the tutors sexually abused him. Right. And he couldn't handle it. And he ended up turning to drugs to try and self-medicate. And this night he was high on drugs, come down the set of stairs and went through a plate glass window and severed all his arm and his hand. And the doctors had told him he'd never get movement in his hand again.
0: Mm. That'd be devastating for yeah. a, a pianist.
1: Yeah. So he, he came to the program and... He'd only, only been in a few weeks and I didn't know why his hand was crippled but um, I just felt God tell me to tell him and say, this is in August 2008 and I said to him, God said he's going to restore your hand as a, as a sign of how he's going to restore your life. So September coming, and went October, November and we're coming into December and I said, God, if I made a mistake, I'm sorry but I really felt that's what you told me to say. And... Um, Anyway, we asked all the parents whether they were happy to have the kids home because more than half of them would not have their kids back for Christmas. They'd spoil too many Christmas days. And his mum said, yeah, yeah, I want him back for Christmas. So he went to be with his mum. And his grandma comes in and says, I know you can't play the piano like you used to, but would you just do your old grand a favour and tinkle me out a tune as best you can he sat down and started playing the piano, and full movement coming to his right hand. Wow! And his hands were running about. Then, and of course, grandma screams and mum screams in the kitchen, coming out and going, "Nick, Nick, what happened?" And and his mum says, "Nick was like a stunned mullet. He was there, moving his hands and looking from one to the other." And he said, "Pastor Bob told me that God was going to restore my hand as a sign of how He was going to restore my life." Mm. And God did it right in front of his whole family. It's amazing. And uh, he, he actually got to play the piano at one of our annual dinners and told his story in front of the Premier of Tasmania. Wow. Hmm. And uh, it was just an amazing thing and, you know, just the miracle power of God. We had another guy there that hated himself. His, his mum was, was a, an addict and his father was an alcoholic and uh, he, he was falling down that track and he was being in a lot of trouble. And, um, I remember just feeling impressed one day to say to him and call him by name and said, you know, you're a good man. And he goes, you obviously don't know me if you say that. And uh, the reaction I got was so severe that I made sure that at least twice a week. i would say that to him. I'd say it to him. I'd yeah. say, you know, you're a good man. And he'd shake his head and he said, I'm told you, you don't know me very well. He said it took him nine months of me saying that before he started to believe it. Mm. And now he's a full-time youth worker in Tasmania, mm, putting back into other hurt young people's lives because he wants to give back yeah. what God had done in his life.
0: Speaking words of life over people are powerful, aren't they? It is. Yes. Yeah, very powerful. Bob, I'm sure there's we could be here all day to, uh, yes. telling stories about how God has used you uh, and your wife, Naomi, as you've stepped out in faith. We haven't even touched at all on uh, your church, um, uh, Twin Rivers Church in, in Eagleby, and that's a very needy area as well can sometimes be, you know, a bit of a rough neighbourhood sometimes. Lots of people there that need love. Yep. They need hope. Uh, they need a hand hand up. What would you say to the person now who's maybe in that place as well, you know, perhaps in the same space that some of these others that you've helped and, and reached out, what should they do?
1: Uh, follow the Lord. Find God's call for your life and what he wants you to do and follow it with all your heart and soul and mind. God doesn't shortchange you and the amount of people's lives we've seen just absolutely transformed whether the addicts we've talked about or families that have lost hope God just restores hope and brings that hope into people's lives and it's amazing where he'll take you and what he'll do with your life I'm, I'm surprised what God's done with us I said earlier that I never felt like I had much gifting but God can take a one-talent person as the parable says and he can multiply them and in my life, that's certainly been the case, And God has multiplied our gifts, and what what he's done through us has amazed us as much as anyone else. Mm.
0: Thanks for sharing at least a little bit of your story here, Bob. It's been really yeah. encouraging. I'm going to let you get prepared for what's coming next. That's the best five-minute sermon that we'll hear today. So you up for the challenge?
1: I'm up for the challenge. Sunday Morning Together.
0: On Vision Christian Radio. And right now, Bob, you get to uh, give us the best five-minute sermon that we'll hear today, and it's based around a
1: very well-known verse of Scripture. It is. So Romans 8 and verse 28, we know that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to His purposes. It um, is also the bridge of the song we played and it says, I still believe you're speaking, God. I believe you're working all things for good. I fix my eyes on heaven, God. I receive your vision, God. I believe you're working all things for good. It's an amazing verse, but it's one that we can look at and grab a hold of. And But we need to read it in context of where it comes from because as you read through Romans 8 particularly, you get that picture that it's it's all put together there in, in a package. It's not a verse on its own. Um, even the verse that follows it in verse 29, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And so we see that God has predestined us, that we understand that God is at work in our lives and that he called us and that um, he loves us intimately and when, when we look at Romans 8 and particularly in the beginning of the chapter 8, it talks about that God wants to bring about the law of the spirit of life because it talks about the, um, the law of sin and death and living according to the flesh only brings death and cannot accomplish what God wants to in our lives. But when, when we're in touch with God and God has come into our lives and changed us and that's the big key. I mean, isn't that what Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 talks about Talks about the wages of sinners' death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And the life that comes is through the Spirit and through God's Holy Spirit coming to indwell us. Um, Romans 8.11 of course is a favourite of mine as well, where it talks about that if God raised Jesus from the dead, then that same resurrection life will come into us and he will raise us to life. And that we can live our lives through the Spirit of God living within us and through us. And so there is that need to understand that God is for us and that that we are now walking and living in the Spirit rather than according to the flesh. Um, if we if we only remain um, motivated by our own flesh and what benefits us and not by God, then we this may not be the case that all things work together for good because if we're still living our life out of the flesh, the life of the flesh produces death. Where the life of the spirit. And living in that and knowing God's spirit directing us and guiding us means that we can say that all things work together for good. It doesn't mean that they're always pleasant, but it's always good and that God brings good out of it. Um, In Romans 8 verse 12 and 13 it says, so then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligations to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you're about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. What, what a great verse. That's in the Passion Translation. But it talks about how that we start to, as we follow God, we, we don't experience death, we experience life. Not only life, but life in its abundance, which is one of the promises that God gave or Jesus gave when he was on earth. In verses 14 to 15, it says, the mature children of God are those motivated by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty um, into the fear of never being good enough. And I've added or being punished or feel like you've been punished for not being good enough. A number of times I've talked to Christians who talk about that um, they don't feel they're good enough and so they need to discover God's great blessing on their lives. Recently I had a, a mower accident where I rolled my right on mower and um, went over an embankment, and a half a metre embankment and landed on top of me and I was pinned under this mower and I thought I was going to die under there because my wife had gone out, but she had this impulse to come home and found me after half an hour. And uh, I remember lying under this mower and going, God, can you work this together for good? I don't see me dying prematurely. And I thought I was going to die, but God um, spoke to my wife and she came come home because she felt she needed to come home and she found me. And while whilst she rang the ambulance and the fire brigade, she was holding the mower up with a crowbar so I could keep breathing because I couldn't breathe. As as I was to discover later, I had fourteen broken ribs. But while she was holding it up before the fire brigade and the ambulance arrived, she hit a pop in her back. And after three days it got so painful I X rayed and discovered her whole kidney, left kidney, was full of cancer. And so in the last three months, not only did I have the rollover, she's been in and had the kidney removed, and the doctors were amazed that she had no symptoms, but I said, given you know, even weeks or months, that cancer would have started to spread through the rest of her body. And uh, it was then I realized all things do work together for good. And I said to the doctor, I'm really glad I rolled the mower. And he said, I wouldn't go that far. I said, I would, because now our life together has been extended. So let me pray for you. You might be going through something. And um, Lord God, thank you for the listeners the Vision Radio. Thank you for the message of hope that comes out Thank you, Lord, that all things do work together for good. And if people are struggling with situations and difficulties in their lives, I pray that you would bring healing and release. And, Lord, bring that hope that everything will work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. Amen. This is Sunday
0: Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Thank you so much for the message you just shared a few moments ago. What, what an amazing uh, series of events that happened, and that God does work all things together for good. And, and you just strike me as someone who has a very positive outlook, um, anyway, Bob.
1: Yeah, I normally do. I when I was trapped under the mower, though, I, I think it deteriorated. <laughs> <when> <laughs> I can the imagine petrol and the oil were running out of the mower. It was upside down and on top of me. Yeah, two hundred ninety-seven kilo mower, and it had me pinned, and I couldn't move, and. I couldn't breathe. I was struggling to breathe. And I was fighting for every breath. Yeah, and I thought, God, I'm sure this is going to work together for good.
0: And, but then uh, your wife came,
1: and then my wife came, found me, the fire brigade, a local fire brigade, and Logan here came and rescued me and got the machine off me. Yeah, and
0: uh, I've read that you uh, you just want to see the world as a better place, and you believe that there is a solution for every problem.
1: That's true. Yeah, God has a creative solution for every problem. Where,
0: where, where does that thinking come into play when you're trapped under a mower?
1: Well, that's uh, when I was saying, God, I, I just beg you to rescue me because I don't see this being part of your plan and I, there's no one around, there's no one hearing me. Please bring someone in of course. My wife had this strong compulsion that she had to come home rather than go out shopping first. Mm. If she had gone shopping first, I probably wouldn't be here today.
0: I've heard you say in a couple of your stories, uh, there was one that you told of the the lady who turned up when you were a kid with eggs, and she looked a bit embarrassed at the front door saying, "Um, I'm not quite sure why I'm here, but I just felt God told me I should bring some eggs to you. And it was right when your dad had prayed for eggs. That's right, yeah. So... What about hearing the voice of God? What do you do when you, you're not quite sure?
1: Yeah, it's a funny thing, but often it's so strong in my life that I, I just know it's, it's God. Um, I was out cycling one morning in Tassie, and I'm crossing this bridge, and this car comes beside me, and a strong, authoritative voice said, move, left!" so I just swung my bike, left, and as I did, the guy forgot he had a trailer on that was a lot wider than the car, would have wiped you out. It would have wiped me out. I would have been under the wheel and it left all dirt from the side of the trailer all down my cycling gear. And uh, I, that was one time I was really thankful I listened to the voice of God and mm. I, I don't seem to question it anymore. And, um, you know, it, it's just some, that strong thing that comes in your spirit. You know, it's not from yourself. Often I haven't even been thinking about it and, a voice will speak into my life, and I've learnt to obey that, and mm. that always works for good. Mm, that's
0: amazing. Tell me quickly about the church in Blackall that you're part of.
1: Yeah, so New Beginnings Church at Blackall is um, part of the ACC movement. Um, it had been there a, lot of, a long time, but its numbers were up and down, and particularly because it was mainly contract workers and not so much the local people that were there. And it had got to a place where it was run down, both the physical building and, and the, the congregation itself. And so I, I was in retirement in the caravan at Early Beach having a great time, and I get this phone call saying, will you pray about going to Blackhall? And I said, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Did
0: you know anything about Blackall at that yeah, time? Yeah, we had been out there had on a mission
1: trip, and that's why they, they had known of me. And so anyway... So, what uh, kind
0: of town is Blackhall, For those who don't know,
1: yeah, it's a little country town. It's a thousand kilometres from from Brisbane. It's um, a thousand population. It's a uh, pretty small, a pretty small town, and um, a lot of them had felt started to feel that God had forgotten them, and so we went out there, and um, Twin Rivers Church backed us out there as well. They sent teams out to turn the building around and get it back on its feet and get it looking good again. And there was deck, the front deck. You had to be careful where you walked or you go through it and just replacing the deck and doing it up. And it just looks a lot, lot better than it did a couple of years ago when we went there. And just to see the building turn around and and we started a guarding project in the front of the church and we found out that locals were every couple of weeks driving past the church to see what changes were made. Mm. And they, they still do. And people in the town say, and the mayor said to me, the church was looking more like hell than heaven when you came. <laughs> he said, it's just great to see it transformed. And
0: But I can hear here again, here's this thing of hearing the voice of God. Yep. You know, there was a the voice of a friend calling, saying, would you consider praying? And you said no, but you're involved. So something, something
1: changed. Oh, look, the reason I said no, I wouldn't pray about it, was When I was in Bible college in 73, I said, God, I'd like to pastor a country church once in my life, and it didn't happen. So when I retired, I said, God, you missed one of my prayers, but I can live with that. Mm. And so I knew I was going. After a while, I said, well, can you tell us why you won't pray about it? I said, that's because I'm coming. (laughs) Well, there you go. Very good. Sunday Morning Together.
0: On Vision Christian Radio. We've come to the end of our time together just about this morning. My guest and co-host has been the founding pastor of Twin Rivers Christian Church, Bob Engwich. And uh, Bob's been very hands-on throughout his uh, his ministry. And I hope you don't mind me saying, Bob, at 71 years of age, uh, you've got plenty of life uh, still in you. You're still being driven on to hear the voice of God. Yep. It's encouraging. Very encouraging, and thank you for sharing your stories today. I just wonder if you might be able to lead us in a prayer for our nation. Um, you've been right at the leading edge of seeing the need that so many people face uh, in their lives, and you know, those needs don't seem to be going away. No,
1: no, it's a tragic turn of events, and when a Christian nation turns against what it once stood for, and it should be no surprise that hope fades. The only way for that to come back again is for people to discover God and to turn back to their spiritual roots. And I believe that will happen as the world starts to deteriorate around them. we're going to see people uh, reaching out for hope and we need to be that beacon of hope. And It's one of the reasons I support Vision Radio because people need that voice that's going out on a consistent basis and encouraging people and... Words of Jeremiah 29:11. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, mm. and not to harm you. To give you a hope, hope and a future. A purpose. Future, yeah, yeah. And a nation needs that more than ever. So, God, we commit our nation to you. We commit Lord Vision Radio to you. We ask that you would use it as a beacon in this place, Lord. That it would be a beacon of hope and bring hope and life and healing. And we thank you for it. And Lord, for the listeners as they listen, that Lord, that hope would come into their lives and they would realize there is nothing that you cannot do and the Lord that you can make all things work together for good. So we pray your blessing upon this nation. We ask healing to come upon this nation and we ask for there to be a turn, a turning back to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm, amen.
0: Well, thank you once again, Bob. And uh, we didn't really get to talk about the Twin Rivers Church today. And uh, perhaps we'll have to reserve that for, a, for another time. But I just, I love one thing that, that the church has in its terminology. They run all sorts of things there. And one is a work for the dole program, which has a different yep. name, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, we called it Work for Your Destiny. Work for Your Destiny. Yep. And uh, we found that a lot of people came and they thought it was the church just to get free labor. Mm. And so they would resent having to come there. And so we knew we had to change the definition for them that from the government side, it's worked for the doll, but from the church's side, this is working for your destiny. Mm. And the miracles that come out of that and the stories that come out of that were phenomenal. Mm.
0: Well, if you'd like to learn more, uh, you can uh, go to twinrivers.org.au. That's for the Twin Twin Rivers Church. But um, God bless you, Bob. And uh, you and your wife, Naomi, 50 years of marriage celebrating coming up next month. Uh, So enjoy the get-together you're having at the weekend. Uh, with your family and uh, and just celebrating that it's quite a quite a milestone. Yeah,
1: thank you. God bless you.
0: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.